Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the ball. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of The Backjack. Brendan and Stefan here as always. The Backjack is presented by Belly Up Sports. And we have a phenomenal episode today. We have Chris King, the Islanders radio broadcaster, joining us for an amazing interview towards the end of the show. So you're definitely going to want to stick around for that. We got Trevor Zegers and Sonny Milano connecting on just bonkers assists and goals. We got Jacob Truba just laying a phenomenal hit that we're going to talk about. Borderline clean, dirty. We'll get into that in a little bit. The Rangers are a wagon that just keeps rolling. The Islanders are starting their point streak that Stefan has been talking about and dreaming of since the season started. Just so many things going on on this episode. So we're just going to you know, toss it over to you, as always, Stefan. I wonder if you got a little anecdote for us to start, but I'm sure you've been uh, nonstop smiling since the Islanders finally hit the win column again. All right, a win's a win, Brendan. But we are talking about a win over the Ottawa Senators. And while the Ottawa Senators have won three in a row prior to the loss last night, they're not a good hockey club. They're one of three teams behind the Islanders in the standings, okay? So you look at what the Senators did bad yesterday, and the Islanders capitalized. Goaltending for Gustafson wasn't great. The Islanders were able to get a few goals that probably a top-flight goaltender stops. But again, they, they found ways to get goals. They found ways to get five-on-five goals. And we'll talk more about this with Chris King later on. But I wrote on Twitter this morning. I said, all right, Islander fans, give me one word to describe what you're feeling right now. Relieved. That word came up a couple of times. I mean, I you look at, no one likes losing streaks. 11 in a row, not going to win at your home arena, your brand new UBS arena. Andrews Lee, after the game, I thought it was, I didn't think it was funny, but he, he kept smiling while he was trying to answer questions to the point where I thought he wasn't going to speak. Because, as a captain, especially when your team's, I mean, people point towards you, not as teammates. Obviously, everyone's got to do their jobs. The fans, we need leadership. You got to lead by example. There's probably a lot of pressure on Anders Lee for this team to end this. And it must feel incredible that it's over. But Trot said it best. Trot said, if we look at the end of the year, we look at the standings and we're in the dance, we're going to go dancing. But right now, we're focused on the next game. And that's what you have to be. Four points, um, excuse me, four games in a row with a point. That's all the honors have to do. They're 12 points out right now of a playoff spot. One game at a time, one period at a time, because you can't look all the way down the stretch. There's too much time involved. Way too much. And, I mean, that's something we're going to talk about with Chris King as well, is how much time is just left in the season, right? I know that we're talking about a double-digit losing streak, so it seems like we might be more into the season than we are. But the Islanders, if you're going to pick a time to have one of those, 
you're going to want to do it, you know, when you still have 50 plus games to, to make that ground up. So there, there's no comfort for anyone who's in the top three in the Metro, including the Rangers with those people that are behind them. But, you know, before we, we dive into the local stuff and before we get towards that interview, we got to talk about some of the things going on around the NHL right now. We got coaching carousels, but before any of those, that goal last, oh my God. Uh, I mean, Trevor Zegras has been doing fancy stuff since he's entered the league. He's been doing it since the World Junior Tournaments. But the fact that he cupped that puck and tossed it over the net and then Sonny Milano has the hand-eye to just bat that in. I First of all, greatest assist I've ever seen. Greatest. greatest Zegras said ever. on the interview with Boot, Mike uh, Butchagross, excuse me, after the game on ESPN that he's tried it two times in the National Development Camp but had never been able to get it batted in before. So Milano's the first person to finish it off. I, I was like, the fact that he's had the ability to try that multiple times, but he's he's unreal. Listen, could he have done a regular Michigan there? Yes. Did he want to take the easy route there? No. I mean, I thought when he put it on a stick, I said, all right, well, if he's going to wrap it around over the net, obviously that's a high stick. And I'm watching and I'm going, oh, oh my God, he's going to flip this. And now it's hard to see that Milano makes contact until you see other angles. So I thought he bounced it off of the goalie and in. But then you watch and then his look at Milano, not even at his, you know, everyone's looking at Zegers with the same face he looked at Milano with going like, oh my God, did we just do that? And then they're, you know, they have to review it. I don't know why it was reviewed. It wasn't even close to a high stake. That's what's so intelligent about this play is that it quickly could have been a high, he could have thrown it over the crossbar. It would have been really close to determine, okay, what are the rules with this? Because it never happens. The fact that he let it go off his stick well below the crossbar. I mean, it was just gorgeous. And then Sonny Milano, local kid from Massapequa, you love to see it. Yeah, I mean, his his hand-eye coordination and skill set with the puck in his own right has always been phenomenal, right? I mean, I, I remember him coming into the league, and like you said, local, and everyone was talking about how good his hands are. Uh, he didn't pan out with Columbus, wound up going to Anaheim, had a rough start there, and now all of a sudden he's on a line with Trevor Zegers, and the two of them – uh, both American young kids. It seems like they're just meshing and having fun together. Uh, <laughs> that that was just such a skilled play all around, start to finish. Yeah, I don't think you'll unless you're going to see it from him. I don't think anyone else in the league can really pull that off. I, I don't think so. I think you said he practiced it twice. We've never, I never would have considered that of a, a hockey play. Like if someone said, "Why don't you just try flipping it over the net to a teammate to bat it out?" I'd be like, "What are you talking about?" That's not a hockey play. We're not playing. Someone said it looked like slow pitch softball, and I'm watching the replay. And I'm like, it oh does. my god, it doesn't like slow pitch softball. Except you know what's I crazy that you said he would try the Michigan, but that would be too easy. That's how skilled this kid is, and he this is his first rookie season in the NHL, and that's what we're already talking about. He's he, doing he, between the leg passes like it's nobody's business. He had it on his stick in a matter of a second. It didn't take him any time. I said, oh, let's let's see it. Let's see the Michigan. He's going to do it because he definitely can. But no, he went with the more intelligent play because no one was guarding Milano in front. Just utter brilliant. And if you're a Ducks fan, first off, you love to see Segrist doing this kind of stuff. I mean, he's your he's your star. But also Milano, who you acquired, you want to see him figure it out. And it's looking like he's figuring it out. And that really helps when you play alongside a guy like Trevor Zegers. <laughs> I mean, playing anyone playing with Trevor Zegers is certainly going to have a tick in numbers. But I, I can't believe how how brilliant that play was to watch. And then we shift gears and we go to another Pacific team in the Vancouver Canucks and just a miserable start to their season. They finally let go of Travis Green. I feel like Canucks fans have been calling for that for a while. They actually kind of just 
evaporated that whole front office and yeah. whole hierarchy there. Bruce Boudreaux comes in, they get a four nothing shutout win. They're going to a veteran coach, somebody that had success, had his ups and downs in the league, but can definitely stabilize a group that is just completely, you know, done a 180 of where they were two seasons ago when Hughes started to emerge. Pedersen was there, yet Besser. Like the names on their team, they should not be as bad as they are. Uh, but right now they're struggling, and hopefully Boudreaux can get him himself into a position where he could lead this group and take him closer to the playoffs. But to me, that's just too many hills to climb for that team. Yeah, I mean, they, they were in the playoffs last year, weren't they? That's a good Dem- I remember Demko, I feel like Demko stole the show. And I'm pretty. If I were, if it wasn't last year, it was the year before that, where they were in a playoff series for sure because Demko kept them alive. Let's see. I think you're thinking of Arizona and Darcy Kemper. Nope. No, I'm not. Let's see. But anyway, you're talking about Brujo. I This reminds me of what happened with the Predators a couple years ago where they have so much talent, but nobody showed up at the same time. That year, you know, Duchesne did nothing. Johansson did nothing. I mean, they really struggled. I think, what, was it Yossi was the only reason they were even doing anything because he was always having a good year. But then you look at, you know, the, the Sharks, and there's just – they have some talent. Not the Sharks, excuse me, the Canucks. They have talent. Pedersen, Besser, like you said, Horvat. They have guys. Just no one has stepped up so <laughs> far. And when you get rid of everybody, you know, it's easy to fire a coach and a general manager rather than fire every player. But when you fire a coach or a general manager, that's supposed to be a wake-up call. Like, hey, we're not playing around. You know, I hope the players feel bad in situations like this. Unless the coach completely messed up and was bad and they fired him for that reason. But the players let the coach down in this instance. They, they let him down. They didn't play well. So hopefully they feel some sense of responsibility for, listen, we didn't do it well enough. We got our coach fired. We can't do that right now. We got to wake up and figure it out. And hopefully, like you said, big shutout win over the Kings. Step in the right direction. But uh, uh, this season, is it lost? I, I would say it's lost. But you're playing for job. You still have a job to do and job to do every single night. And hopefully Boudreaux could get the most out of them. Yeah, definitely. And the year you're talking about is 2020, I believe. That was when Jacob Markstrom led them to the playoffs, and then he got hurt. And he got hurt. Came and and okay, they yeah. beat the Blues 4-2 to two in the first round and then lost. But uh, last year, they were not in the playoffs this year. They're kind of following that same script. So tough, tough stretch here for Vancouver Canucks fans. And, I mean, they're still looking for a chip, right? They they lost to Boston when that, uh, that Burroughs incident. Roberto Longo and goal. Who? Brendan Lemieux bit um, oh, yeah. Brady Kachuk. Kachuk, and we our first reaction was, oh, remember Burroughs? <laughs> well, it's only like, happened twice in our well, our, our watching hockey lifetime that we've ever seen that happen. You know, I don't I don't know what you have to do to get someone to bite you. I, I just would never apparently think... Apparently just put your hand near their mouth if you're... All right, so let, let me tell a funny story. We were on the bus once with, you know, I, me and my brother were on the bus, and... My brother like put his finger in a kid's face. The kid bit him. And then my they had to go to like the principal or whatever. And the principal asked, Why'd you bite him? He goes, He stuck his finger in my face. What do you want me to do? I feel like that's the logic we have right now. That is a hundred percent the logic that had to and be going through Brendan Lemieux's head. But not not much goes through Brendan Lemieux's head. <laughs> it's just fair point. Who, you saw Kachuk, Kachuk's react. He's like, Who bites someone? Like uh, he was why, shocked more than angry. <laughs> I would be shocked too. It's like it's like if he decided to suck his finger instead. Like, what are you doing? Like, what what are you like? We 
We say that as a joke, but that's not far from what he did. Like, it, it, you don't decide to just do that. Who does that? Why do that? You could have done anything else in that situation, called him any name in the book, punched him in the face. Like you said, he was more shocked. No one is expecting to get bit unless they're playing with a dog. That's about it. I mean, it, it was it was definitely weird to see and weird to watch, but it was just funny that you brought that name up because I was like, that's, that's the guy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the league has been – kind of circulate i feel like we got a lot of teams right now that are just buzzing and unreal and then you have a lot of teams who are really struggling i mean the flyers they are on their own losing streak the islanders finally ended theirs ottawa montreal buffalo just can't find ways to stay out of their own way arizona's miserable chicago started to come back a little bit but they played the rangers twice and most teams are losing to the rangers right now we talked about vancouver seattle's struggling out of the gate so it's not really a uh ideal start for a lot of teams and then you have teams like the rangers florida you know toronto carolina washington were just wagons in their own right so really you, we're talking about a, a league that's usually pretty close and i feel like by the end of the season we'll have the averages start to even out but right now you have a lot of teams who look elite and a lot of teams who look like they're towards the bottom how many wins did i tell you arizona was going to have this season we're going to go yeah. back to this until it's over you didn't say it was as many as the Islanders, though. <laughs> funny, funny. <laughs> what did I tell you, though? I'm pretty sure you said 11. I did. They're going to have tw- more than 11. They're 25 games in. They, have, they five, have five wins. Five wins. So you do that math, you're talking about at least 15. Yeah. I still think, I still think it's 11. So gearing back now towards the New York spectrum here. Uh, hitting has been a large theme of the New York Rangers' new emergence, right? They obviously went out, acquired Blay, who's now injured for the season, Ryan Reeves, Goudreau, a bunch of physical guys. Uh, to kind of, I guess, mimic the Islanders was the best way that I could have described it this offseason. And the ironic part about that is that they're playing very eerily similar to how the Islanders played the last two years, and the Islanders were playing the way the Rangers had started off the last two seasons, which... Again, we we talked to Chris King about it, and I do agree. I think the Islanders are going to start to figure it out. But when you look at two hits around the league, uh, there was one, which we'll start before we get to the Rangers one, Milan Lucic against the San Jose Sharks last night. You just showed this to me. I thought it was yeah. a clear board. I mean, yeah. it's a very dangerous hit. The guy's feet away, of, like I would say four to five feet away from the boards. He hits him from behind, goes head first, and there wasn't even a penalty on the play. So, no uh, <laughs> NHL officiating and department of player safety. All that will forever remain a mystery to me. Well, yeah, lame, lame Peterson. He's played in 14 games this year. Career games only at 29 young kid. I mean, this was just no need for this hit. Luch- he, he got rid of the puck and Lucy decided to give him an extra push. Now it wasn't a full on board against his body, but the boards are right there. He two handed pushed him against the boards and he doesn't get penalized. I've not heard anything about, any extra discipline. I think he will get it eventually. Yeah. I, I'd assume he get a phone call or something later today about it. But yeah, there was no place in hockey for that kind of hit. Lucci got to finish the game, but you know what they say? Karma is a you-know-what. The Sharks come back from down 3-1 to beat them. So, you know, at the end of the day, they beat Milan Lucci and the Calgary Flames, and that's all that matters. And, and Peterson returned. So, that, I mean, that obviously is the best news, that Peterson returned. And, uh, you don't want to see injuries, but unfortunately, last night in the Rangers-Chicago Blackhawks game, we did. 
and, and a pretty big one at that. So before we dive into anything, we obviously hope that Jujar Kara is okay. Nobody ever wants to see a player go limp like that on the ice. Um, nobody ever wants to see a player get stretchered off like that. Uh, it, it's scary, scary to see, and we hope that he's okay. I know that by now he, it's been come out that he's released from the hospital. He was responsive. Um, the, there's no timetable, obviously, for his return because with concussions, you never know, especially somebody in the instance of Kara who's had the concussion already, I believe, this year and has had a track record of them. But he is going to be okay, which is great news. But Jacob Truba stepped up, and if you've watched the Rangers for the entirety of this season – Jacob Truba's gap control and ability to line up forwards as they're coming through the neutral zone, uh, gray areas of the ice has been phenomenal. It's something that despite, you know, in and outs in his own end, he's been able to level some people. And this was no different. He stepped up, which is a signature of his game. If you remember Nick Cronwall, he would always find those ways to step up and level some people. And Jacob Truba, although not on the level of Cronwall, very similarly, always seems to be in those positions where he will step up and make a hit if it's available. And Seth Jones, bad pass to Kara. Kara's head's down, and Truba saw the opportunity and just went right through him. And he didn't launch. His feet didn't come off the ice. He didn't like go towards his head. It was just an unfortunate situation where you got a guy that's 6'3", hitting another guy who's 6'3", but happens to be making himself smaller because of where he's looking for the puck. Could he have, you know, hopefully avoided the head in a, in a perfect world? Yes, but when they're moving that fast, the slow motion replays don't show everything. And the other aspect of this that I don't think people are, you know, kind of taking into effect is when you're playing an NHL game and you're playing in a Rangers team that has stressed physicality, if you are a defenseman that plays a physical game like Truba and you see a forward skating through the middle of the ice, open ice, head down with the puck, that is just, it's a birthday present for any defenseman. And this used to be Make a wish. six, seven years ago. We wouldn't have even been talking about this dirty or clean or not. Now we're going to a different point. We've got to protect the players. And could Truba have just gotten the puck there and avoided the hit? Yes. And I think that that's why people are upset about it. But by the letter of the rules, it is a clean hit. Yeah, like we said, we blame more of Seth Jones for giving him a death pass. <laughs> I mean, it's unfortunate. Injuries happen in the sport. Thank God that, you know, science and the medical teams, everyone's able to address it. Watching him go limp, though, like lights out nobody's home. Immediately. Just late. He, he lost conscious before he hit the ice. Yeah. yeah. That's the scary part. But we're glad to hear that he's okay. But like you said about Truba, Islander fans are accustomed to what Jacob Truba does because he lit up Michael Dalcole a few years ago. And that was I remember that game because that was the first game Pajot played. Yep. He went right after Truba. Pedro scored a terrible goal off the glass. Nobody knew where it was. <laughs> Puts it in. He jumps in. Not only does Pedro get penalized, but he also gets ejected. Because he gets, I think there was less than 17 minutes left, and he got... Uh, the instigator. It? He got the instigator, the... Whatever. It was a whole slew of penalties, and he was out. That was it. He went to the locker room early. So, yeah, we know what Truba is capable of. That's just a big boy hit, a legal hit. It looked legal right off the bat, and... Again, you know, you want to take out dirty hits from hockey. I get that. You just can't change the sport completely. Yeah. If they decided yeah. to penalize Truba from that, even though it's not a penalty, now you're setting a precedent that there's no more open ice hits, nothing like that. And 
That's not hockey anymore. And then I don't want to get to that point because when you get to that point where there's no physicality, you might as well put wheels on their skates and play roller hockey because we both have seen how that goes. And you make any type of contact and you're in the box or ejected. So we we can't let the NHL get to that point. So very good on on George Paros to not confuse everyone by doing the opposite of what he should do. And he got this one right. I think he did too. Um, the, The reaction for most people is from the injury. Yeah. And you never want to see injuries happen, but I mean, people get injured blocking shots all the time. Are we going to take that out of the game? Like there, there's certain aspects to the game, which are always going to lead to injury and physicality has been a staple in hockey forever. Right. I mean, it, it's still more dangerous to take a, a knuckle to the head and that hasn't been banned. So unfortunately this is, is a, an end result that we don't want to see, but it happened due to a play that's, Live speed, right? I know people want to slow down everything and analyze everything like these players have robotic control of their bodies, but live speed, he's stepping up and making a hit. And if his head's moving and it's a moving target and he's a big guy, it's hard, right? I mean, every single hit is to Alex DeBrinkett's head because he's so short. I mean, if if somebody like Miller or Truba, who's 6'3", 6'4", is going to hit him in open ice, it's impossible for them to torque their body to get his chest. So they have to push him. And those types of players are the hardest to knock down for that reason. But somebody that's a big guy like Kara, who put himself into a little bit of an unfortunate circumstance, took the brunt of that hit. And and you're also paid. I mean, you're you're taught growing up that when if you're def- if you see a player's head down, you light him the F up. Like that's just what you're taught. The same way what they used to teach in baseball is when you're coming around third and the plays at home plate and you don't you can't get to that base. You deck the catcher. Yep. Obviously, rules have changed. Uh, Buster Posey, obviously, major, major concussion. That changed the sport. But that's also not a sport that's built on physicality. No. It'd be one thing if it was baseball and that kind of injury happened because a runner did so-and-so. Okay, get rid of it. Some about hockey. Th- these things are going to happen. There's a lot of things that went wrong on this play for this to happen. And unfortunately... Who was the it, first person you thought of when you watched the hit? Like a person that lays those kinds of hits? Well, either way, when you saw the hit, what was your first like reaction or comparison? Well, I just thought any hit Scott Stevens ever laid in his NHL career. Okay, that's a good one. Um, good one. And any hit that he laid was significantly dirtier than oh, that one. Scott the Stevens- Paul Korea one, he didn't even have the puck for about 25 seconds. <laughs> but then Korea came back in that game. Uh, that, he probably should have never come back <laughs> no, in that game. Probably- <laughs> I'm pretty sure he scored, too. He did. Which is just he did numbing. score on that game. Yeah, his nah. mind was definitely numb. No, nah, yeah, he won't, he won't be talking in a few years. The first so just- one I thought of was R.J. Umberger. For when he got hit? When he, he got lit up by somebody on the Sabres. He he was limp like that. Uh, we've seen a few players hit the ice and go limp like that. I, you know, it's hard to come to memory just from, I feel like it's been a while since a player pretty much was out cold. But, I mean, you've seen it. It's happened, I guess, especially back then when there was just, that's so legal, it's it's not even a thought, like you said. Yeah. That's, yeah. But now we got Slewfoot, uh, PK Slubon just all over the place doing that kind of crazy stuff all year. We don't have those ridiculous hits like that anymore. And I think it's a large part is the refs have really been on top of it. Same with the cross checks. Like the Lucic hit we were talking about earlier. Very well, Lucic could have cross checked him. He didn't though. He just pushed him. But the push was as bad as any cross check would have been. Yeah. The push made it a board. The cross check would have made it even worse. The cross check would have made it a suspension. And yeah, 
RJ Umber. I'm trying to remember the RJ Umberger hit. Oh, 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 limp. I don't know if Pat Reddy was limp when he got his neck like. See, Pat Reddy one was different because Chara hit him and then he wound up hitting his head on the stanchion. Well, his neck just yeah. That and was he just got rocked by the boards. Yeah, that yeah. that was scary too. No, was that, I was watching that lot. He was knocked out, but that wasn't from a hit. But we saw the other day in the Islander game, um, Bavillier got absolutely same type of thing. Pass across, head down, guy comes off the bench, like lights him up. Just absolutely yep. lights him up. So you gotta be aware of your surroundings. Maybe the helmet should have like some mirrors. That way you can <laughs> like see. Like a driver that you put a signal on when you're cutting oh, through the neutral zone. Definitely don't put signal on. No one signals, so it doesn't wouldn't make any sense. But yeah, I mean listen, I have no problem with the hit. I want that staying in hockey. And like you said, we, we could harp on this for a little bit, but Carr's okay. He's fine. If it was worse and brain damage, all right, now you got to start considering things because you don't want to see an NHL player, you know, that happens to someone else. But even if you ask Carr, he'd probably say legal hit. I don't think he ever thought it was – he couldn't even think he was out cold. But um, now I mean, he's had time Those to are sit. one of the things where you, he probably looks back now. And he, I don't even know if he remembers it because usually when you, when you black out like that, you, you kind of forget that time frame. But I'm sure somebody will – or he'll somehow see that hit and – yeah, I mean, he is a hockey player, so his first reaction probably will be, uh, I mean, keep your head up, kid, is, is an expression in the game for a reason. It's been around like that, but the second is he's probably not going to be happy with it. Um, no, he probably they, thinks that Truba should have let up when he saw his head down, but like I said, correct. it's such a habit from players growing up from when you're two or not two or three, you're not hitting it that age. That'd be funny, though. It also no. depends on when it happens. Like, if this, if this instance and scenario unfolded when the game was 5-2, Truba's probably not doing that. And if he's doing that, then he's getting attacked. Then Exactly. The game was tied. He's trying to make a turnover at the neutral zone. And this is a physical defenseman who, instead of his first instinct is not, okay, let me try to get that puck from his feet. It's to let me separate the guy from the puck and then turn it over. So I, I, people got to realize that. And also, but, Truba pinched. So if Carr does make a move with the puck and he goes for the puck and he misses and Carr goes around him, you're talking about Truba out of position. Pretty much only thing Trubra had to could do there was he has to protect himself from being out of position. He's got to lay the hit there. He's got to slow the game down. So I, I don't think he had a choice. But before we get to a little bit Rangers, then kick it off to Chris King. A couple of days ago, Robin Leonard announced that he's not going to the Olympics. And his reason was his mental health. Because if you go to the Olympics and you get COVID, you have to quarantine. I think he said like, I want to say it was like four weeks. Something crazy. Maybe two weeks. But longer, obviously, than in the United States. And he said you got for, to quarantine there. Yeah, you have to no, you have to quarantine there exactly, and he was not willing to do that, and that's that's you know not a lot of people were talking about it. Obviously, Leonard's a guy that's really outspoken about anything he ever has a problem with, and he brings that attention to a lot. I feel like a lot of players now they not might not consider not going, but in the back of their mind are are thinking, yeah, if I do get this there, I can't return and play in the like I, I'm out for a while in a in a country no less that a lot different than here. Rights are a lot different. Just everything that could go wrong here could probably be a a ton worse there so i don't know i I don't know where i stand on it because for me especially a couple years ago when Tavares went to the olympics and got hurt that ended the islanders season essentially because the islanders were a one-man team it was Tavares. now of course it is so cool and important to play for your country i don't want to take that away from anyone playing for your country in some places especially in europe that's like that's more important than playing in the nhl like you representing your country and for Leonard, who, I mean, obviously, it, you want to see him play at the highest level and represent his country. They have Markstrom there. For the, uh, it's what country is it? 
Sweden? Sweden. Or are you talking, talking about, you're well, talking about for Markstrom? Well, Markstrom and Leonard are the same. Yeah, they, they both play for Sweden. Sweden, yeah. So he said that Markstrom will be there. They'll be good. Uh, he's rooting for them. But I, I got to think, if I'm a player right now, I got to think about, listen, if I get COVID there and I can't return when the NHL season is ready to go again, what is that? That's a tough decision to make because if I'm if I'm a teammate not going and you're my best, again, obviously these are the best players on each team that will be there. And there's something that happens with that player is not back. You're not going to blame your teammate for going, but you're going to think about, was it worth it? Okay. That's what it's going to come down to. Because you could go there and be fine. I mean, you could be playing in the NHL and be absolutely fine. But you go to another country, you're stuck in that country for weeks while your team's home playing games and, let's say, losing. And it's a t- I mean, especially if you're in a division like the Metro where it's so it's so freaking tight, you can't really afford for your best player to be out of action for four weeks in a country. No less. It's, I don't know. I, I personally would lean towards not going. But again, I'm someone who watches the game. I'm not someone. This doesn't mean much to me as it does to a player that goes in the crease or gets ready for face-off, wearing your colors, your your country colors. So, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of pride that goes into it, um, and and there's like elements to it too, right? I mean, I don't think uh, Ovechkin has won a gold, so he's already got the cup, he's got the heart, he's got all these things. So winning a gold would complete that trophy case, like uh, what Crosby has. Right? Crosby has the gold. He's got. Because he's, 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 he's got everything. There's but also pride. But you also got to think about it too. I don't think Leonard's ever played to represent. Prob- think about it. think about who's been starting for Sweden the last chunk of years. Pretty good goalie named Henrik Lundqvist. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's been what the last Olympics was when four years ago. So Lundqvist was playing in that. No, I mean the last Olympics that the NHL players went to was a while ago. Yeah, but it was Lundqvist. So this is Leonard's real first chance. Yeah. To represent his country, you don't that that's not a guarantee. So, but I he again, probably won't get another chance. No, but with all the mental health issues that he has, that he talks about, I'm not making fun of him. I'm just that's that's the result of the situation. That's what he has. He made the right decision because if he did get COVID, I mean, he's been complaining about quarantining and you know being stuck inside a hotel room and not being able to do anything. It, it's ten times worse there if it happens. So oh, yeah. he's for himself. He, it's an individual decision. That's what it comes down to. It's got to be what is best for you mentally. And I I, I give him a lot of. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Credit for doing it. But guess what, Stefan? 
It's time to talk about your New York Rangers. Oh, it is. The red-hot New York Rangers. The 17-4-3 New York Rangers. The team that has a 771-point percentage in the National Hockey League and leads the whole entire NHL in point percentage. The team that is two, uh, one point behind the Capitals with two games in hand. New York Rangers. The team that has Ryan Reeves doing between-the-leg passes on yeah, secondary assists. New York Rangers. What a team. It's uh, it's great to watch. I bet it is. I uh, bet it, it is. Listen, for the, the last three and a half years, Rangers fans have been hoping for a playoff-level team, hoping for a team that can sneak in, get back, so we could at least watch a playoff series. And the only glimpse that we had of that was because of COVID, and we watched the Rangers get absolutely mollywopped by the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, they got And now all of a sudden you're going from borderline to – <laughs> one of the top teams in the league, which who knows if it holds, right? I mean, they're, I feel like they might have a cold stretch coming, but this team looks like they actually might be too deep to have one of those real cold stretches, which I'm optimistic about. So we will see. But it's it's crazy when you think about the makings of a good hockey team, right? Usually you want a good goaltender. Check. I mean, Chesterkin, probably one of the best. Uh, usually you want a good defense. And right now the Rangers, I think, are fourth in the NHL in goals allowed per game. And they have the reigning Norris Trophy winner in Adam Fox, who looks like he's poised to be a finalist again this year. And then you want a good offense, a deep offense. They have four lines that are contributing. You have an absolute superstar in Artemi Panarin, who's proved that he's going to be one of the best players year in and year out. Mika Zibanejad hasn't even sniffed the back of the, the net yet. Rooney has six goals. He has four. But yet... The Rangers are still rolling. So when he gets hot, what's going to happen? Uh, it's just they're deep at all positions right now. Everyone that was a question mark is playing better than they were last year or as or better than expected when they brought them in like Reeves. And in turn, they're second in the Metro and fighting for that top spot. And not only that, Georgiev's heating up. Georgiev is every shot. I still have an aneurysm. Um, but yeah. I, I will say that the last two games when he's had to start, He's done his job, right? I mean, he's made every save that he had to. I don't remember if we were watching it together, but early on he started against Ottawa and the game, the Rangers scored the three goals in the last like six minutes. The second goal that he allowed to start the third period was a shot from the wall by the blue line that went off his own stick and in. Like he tried to steer it and it went in. And that to me was the turning point where his confidence just hit the ground. But those goals now, he's, he's made those saves and he hasn't made anything spectacular but the Rangers' defense has been good enough in front of him where he hasn't needed to. So we, it's been we, talked, we talked about it, that you don't need your backup goalie to steal you games. That's not, that's not his job. His job is to make the saves he has to make and let his team do what he has to do, and that's what Gary Gibbs is doing now. That's what, he's got to not focus on being the hero when he's in net. He has to focus on being the sidekick. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. You're not the center of – don't, don't be the first star. Don't be the second star. Do your job and hope for the third star. At the very least, if you stop more than their team, then you stop less. Excuse me. Oh, my God. What am I saying? Wow. You allow You allow less goals than your team scores. You're great. That would be the definition of winning hockey games. <laughs> you, you give up less goals than the other yeah, team. That, that, it's, as, it's as simple as that, Brendan. <laughs> Speaking of uh, getting jobs done, we got jobs done yesterday, Brendan, because we decided to live bet. And I want to take all the I want to take most of the credit because I pushed you to live bet because yep. I was having a fantastic night live betting. Um, and what I do, I live bet the Islanders to win. It was zero zero after one. I live bet the win. Uh, excuse me, the 
what I do. Minnesota Wild to win by two and a half. They did that. I did go for Calgary minus one and a half. And uh, they had a 3-1 lead in this game and blew it. So that's on them, not on me. But we decided <laughs> we decided to bet. How much did we bet? We bet $44. No, $40 to win 88. Live betting the Rangers. Did we take a minus one and a half? Minus a half. Oh, we took a minus half. Originally, to win in regulation. Originally, we threw 100 on what? We threw $100 on... Oh, it was Carolina two and a half. I don't know if it hit. Uh, let's see. No, well, but I, th- I thought we threw on something else. Too. It didn't hit. <laughs> All right, so the hockey gods were in our favors. And while we're doing this, you know, Go Lines is brought to you by Bet Us. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, so we made some money. And that's all because you're Rangers. And now I'm more angry because we could have taken them by a lot more than well, just minus a half. A 2-2 game after two. I was not expecting to end 6-2 like that. But the Rangers do know how to make flurry their... Uh... And you took the over straight, correct? Well, the, the over... I saw the over at five and a half. I tweeted it out way before the game. I was like, if, just, this is a lock. I mean, it, it was every time the Rangers play flurry, I feel like they have success. And I don't trust Georgiev a whole lot. So I figured they were due for a couple. And it wound up being two goals for them. And I wasn't expecting the six mark, but the four I could have seen for the Rangers. And it hit. And then I asked you, I said, I want to take the over. But the live over is seven and a half. Nah, don't. don't okay, do but you were not expecting that. That was a no, garbage time goal. I'm watching the game. We I don't we don't know if we had just gotten off the phone because you're a little delayed with the way you watch games. Um, unprofessional. And... um. <laughs> I'm texting you a little delayed and I'm watching these goals go in, And then I'm like, Oh my God, I could have thrown the over because the over seven and a half, it hit two, two after two. Now, yeah, You're not never... looking at that. And that game was close three, two until the last, like, and then they just, it, then it just took off. Once Goudreau scored, I was like, all right, all right, this is completely wheels off the wagon or whatever the expression oh, is. Was... I mean, it was fun, and then they actually threw a bad hit, too, on Dryden Hunt at the end of the game. That yes. Ryan Strom dropped the gloves on. But, yeah, I mean, solid night. Over check, live bet check. So, so we might have to do it again tonight, Brennan. Hockey gods were in our favor there. Oh, yeah, that's what happened, yes. We went to throw the bet, and it, the lines changed, and didn't we put it through, and we would have lost $100 on the Hurricanes. So, great, great for us, great for us there. A little, uh, The last thing I'll say before we cut to the – um, interview with Chris is that you know I spoke earlier in the show about the Islanders beating Ottawa and there's no easy teams to beat and Chris King does get to that as well but you have to remember this is an Islander team that has never dominated the NHL regular season while they've had postseason success you know it's been back-to-back mediocre regular seasons the fact that they had a seven-game point streak early in the year then they lose 11 straight but they picked up points this is a streaky team their their forward group is streaky the only thing that hasn't been streak over the last couple of years has been their defense and goaltending. And their goaltending has been pretty good. Defense is looking better. And if the offense could just figure out how to not score five goals. I, I tweeted out earlier today. I sent a picture. On, on most of the goals, it came from in tight. I sent pictures. It was screens in front, getting the rebounds again. Some of those rebounds can't happen by Gustafson there. But again, you got to take advantage. The Islanders don't do that. The Islanders... Downers make goalies like Gustafson look like Patrick Wan in their primes. They continue to do that. They make life really easy. They had three shots in the first period. And in my head, I'm thinking, from everywhere, shoot every – you have to test this you guy. 
He he's not good. You know, someone DM me telling me that I was wrong. He he's been solid for them. Whatever. It's it, he's not good. He's not a good goaltender. And he showed last night why he's not a good goaltender because when you put pressure on him, especially bodies in front. Even when he could see the puck, he didn't hold on to it. And you saw Pajot's goal. Perfect. Rebound right to Pajot. He gets the puck, scores. They don't score five goals a game. But they're not generating shots on the outside. They're not jet, They're not shooting the puck. But now with bodies in front, Lee had two goals last night. He looks like himself now, parking himself in front of the goal. And it changes everything. Not only can you feed him in front of the net, but he's making it hard. The Dobson, the tying goal with under 2.9 seconds to go against Chicago to force overtime. They lose in the shootout, but they got a point. Because Andrew, I know they had an extra attacker that helps, but Anders Lee's body is parked right in front of Mark Andre Fleury, forcing Fleury to look over Fleury's left shoulder. Dobson's smart enough to shoot at blocker side. It just changes the way the Islanders can generate scoring. And when they, it's clearly evident why they don't score is you see shots all the time. No one in front, no one crashing that for rebounds. It's a game changer. We're talking about an Islanders team that quote unquote does not have the talent or sniper ability besides Wallstrom to score those types of goals. They have to create it a different way. And it works. Get bodies in front. That's how you beat goaltenders in the NHL. You have to take away their eyes. And if the Islanders could do that, they're not going to score five a game. But those games where they don't score at all, maybe they have two or three. And then the defense is able to do their job. Less pressure to have to be perfect every night. Just in lead by example. Lee did it. Lee got a body in front. You got to see every line going forward. Screen the goalie and crash the net. Because it works. It works. It works. It's worked for the Islanders the last couple of years in the postseason. That's what you have to do. Especially when the offense isn't scoring as it should. Yeah, uh, you're. I mean, you're completely right. You look at how the Rangers score a lot of their goals, right? Look at Chris Kreider parking himself in front. And it's the one thing I've said numerous times about Lafreniere, Kako. Those are the areas they have to get to if they want to start to see the numbers and the results. It's no secret. It's much easier to score when you're tapping the puck in than it is when you're trying to beat a goalie that's NHL caliber with a straight shot from outside. And if you have trouble scoring, that's where you got to go. Uh, and, and I think the Islanders, like you mentioned, are starting to to figure that out the last couple of games. And we'll, we'll see if that continues. I know we're going to be at the game tomorrow night, so we will see if we can watch the first one at UBS together. Um, Rangers have the Colorado Avalanche in town Wednesday night, and that's going to be an interesting game back-to-back for the Rangers against a rested Avalanche team that seems to be just placing the puck in the back of the net against NHL goalies. But it's a real test. And we'll toss it over to Chris King where he talks more about the Islanders. And Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. The rest of the season for them. Joining the back check now is Chris King, Islanders radio broadcaster. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? 
Doing good. Thanks again for coming on. We know we know you love coming on our show to talk to us, so I you, couldn't, you I couldn't resist. But first question, obviously, brand new arena, UBS Arena. How is your viewpoint there? Is it a lot different than at NASA Coliseum? Um, the biggest difference is we have our own booth, like all to ourselves. So it's kind of like a room that's just for Islanders radio. And that's really the biggest difference because at the Coliseum, we were kind of in press row and surrounded by, you know, other people working the game. And in Brooklyn, we were essentially at a card table at the top of the lower bowl, <laughs> surrounded by the fans. So um, it's kind of just nice to have that privacy and really be able to focus in on what we're trying to do and just kind of have the space to spread out. And and for our engineers, they love it in particular because they can kind of leave all their gear set up now, whereas at the Coliseum and in Brooklyn, they had to break it down every game. If we have the same engineer from one game to the next, which for the most time we do, they can just leave the gear set up so it makes it easier on them. I can leave some of my stuff in place um, game to game now. But it's just nice to have that privacy of a, of a booth that's entirely ours that you know doesn't get used by anybody else. And again, completely kind of isolates, that's, uh, isolates us and lets us focus on, on what we're there to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Well-deserved too. But going, <laughs> you're a passionate guy. Obviously, when you're making calls, you know that passion is there. I think that's why a lot of people love listening to you. You're there on opening night. What did it mean to you as someone who's also been waiting for a new home for the Islanders to see the fan base and everything that came with UBS Arena? It was a dream come true. And, you know, even now, you know, six games in, when I pull up, I'm still pinching myself. Like, this is really the Islanders Arena, like, forever now. And, and like, it's that beautiful. It's that incredible. And that first night was, you know, it wasn't years in the making. It was decades in the making. That was something... Um, you know, I'm glad they did a tribute video on night one to Charles Wong, the, the late owner of the New York Islanders. That's what he wanted. That's what he tried to get going over 20 years ago. And that was his dream. So um, to have a building that's like that, that all theirs, that's just so beautiful. And, and again, kudos to John Ledecky and, and the management of the New York Islanders for visiting every NHL arena in the league and almost every uh, basketball arena, football stadium, baseball stadium, and taking all the best from all of those and also, John said, you know, he spent time talking to, he estimated 4,000 fans at Nassau Coliseum asking them, what do you like? What don't you like? So they put all the best into the new building, got rid of everything that people didn't like about the Coliseum, uh, kept the ceiling low. So it was so loud that opening night when the team took the ice. And uh, to me, it's the perfect combination of everything you want as an Islander fan, but, you know, and so much more. It's, it's just all the little touches. There's a lot to see. Again, you know, we're six games in. I've been there maybe seven or eight times before it actually opened. So I'm there, you know, in the teens, and I don't feel like I've even scratched the surface of seeing everything that there is to see because, you know, the Coliseum had one level. Let's face it, right? That building uh, had just one concourse all the way around, which was part of the problem is why it was so crowded. But at UBS Arena, we've got the main concourse. We've got the upper concourse. We've got the suite level. <laughs> just There's just so much to see. I don't feel like I've done it justice yet. And every time I get a chance now, I just try to explore a different area so I can I can learn the building the same way fans are. Yeah, the hallways are a little wider. Just a little bit. Just a bit, yeah. You walk into that great hall at the main <laughs> entrance and you're like, oh, my goodness. It, it, it's spectacular. It is. The only negative that I've had, um, I went there once, obviously, to watch a game and Every seat was great, but the parking was just a disaster. That's the I've only complaint little, that I have. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. And, and you know what, Brendan? They're working on that because you've seen the big parking structure, right? That's directly yep. across Hempstead Turnpike there. That's not going to open until March of 2022, so this coming March. And that is going to help a ton. So, yeah, there's going to be some growing pains there. 
Um, I don't experience that as much as everybody else because I'm there so early and yeah. then I'm leaving so late because our postgame shows sometimes running up to close to an hour. So uh, the parking thing, I, I have heard that, but I know they have plans to make that better. And, you know, once the parking garage opened, that's going to take away a ton of the cars from the current lots. And I know they're still working on the patterns with the, you know, the local authorities to try to get everybody in and out a little quicker. Yep. I don't mind. I don't mind the walk. You know, you get game ready. You take the 15, 20 minutes. You're all with the fan. I mean, the whole thing with the NASA Coliseum was you felt like a family. You know, now yeah. you, when you make this walk to UBS Arena, it's a herd, a herd of Islanders nation. Ah. So it's not. There's two ways to look at it. Either you're in a rush to get in there, and if you're running late, then you're not happy about it. Yeah. But if you get there early and you can take the walk, it's great. So you're there for obviously opening night. Brock Nelson scores, goals waved off. You're calling this game. Do you know right away it's in? And if you do, are you going? Of course. No, the fans can't even get – they're not getting the exact moment they need right now. You know what? I did know it was in, Stefan, and I, I, here's the thing. As a broadcaster, again, you only get that moment one time. Yeah, exactly. First goal ever in the building. I mean, I went in there loaded for bear knowing the previous first goals at the Coliseum, the first goals at uh, the Barclays Center, all that stuff, and you just want to do a good call. That's all you want. I know it's in, but when I'm looking down – the first thing I see is the referee going immediately like this, like emphatically waving his arms from side to side. No goal, no goal, no goal. So I can't give it the, you know, full throttle goal call. In retrospect, I think I probably would have and then just said, all right, if it wasn't a goal, we'll delete it, right? So, <laughs> but I didn't. And, and I've done that in some situations in the past. I have done that. I've stayed with my call because I was so sure about it. And I wish I would have done it in this case. And again, it's a minor thing. You know, for a broadcaster, it's something you'd like to have in like a little keepsake. Um, but you know what? I, I made the call. I said, you know, I think it's in. The building thinks it's in. We'll find out soon enough. And then sure enough, you know, when they uh, – went to the replay and it was very obvious it went in. And again, it's no fault of the officials. It hits the camera and comes right out. Um, you know, uh, he's doing his best job, but yeah, from a broadcasting standpoint, I'm sure everybody that was on that call hoped we had, you know, a cleaner goal, uh, you know, a two on one where it's just one time home or something and, and you can really celebrate it. So it, it did uh, sting a little bit leaving the building that night, not saying, okay, you know, I had the call, of the first goal. I had the call, but I said it was waved off. And then, you know, it was kind of confirmed in video review. So yeah, minor, minor thing, but uh, I certainly wish it was a cleaner goal, if you will. But, uh, you know, it was great for Brock who, who did have the only outdoor goal in Islander history as well at Yankee stadium. And I know I had a pretty good call on that one. So yeah, I was there for that. It was very freezing cold. I do remember that, I do remember that goal. I got a, a quick follow-up to that though. You mentioned how fast it happened, right? And how the officials are on the ice, they're watching hit the camera come out. So obviously they, they have a right there to be a little, you know, confused as to whether the puck had crossed the line, but you're all the way up now. You're watching from the same angle and you said pretty much right away you kind of yeah. saw it was in. Do you have monitors that you're looking at to aid you there or is that just live too? Yeah, Brendan, we only get the monitors. I mean, they're there first, but I can't watch that during the action. I mean, mm -hmm. we saw it the minute they showed the first replay, you could see it, you know, under the bar. And since we're so high up, um, that's what allowed me to see it. And again, the official doesn't have that advantage. He's at ice level. Because we're so high up, you know, I'm looking at that crossbar and I can see it, you know, on the right side from where we are of the crossbar. So I know it's underneath the crossbar and in. that's, you know, that's the way I knew immediately was that I saw the puck 
pass under the crossbar and then you know here's the crossbar and here's the puck so i know it's in but the official's much lower and he doesn't get a chance to see it like that so it kind of was just like the advantage of my uh of my vantage point really that that allowed me to be able to have a clean look at it and again i don't put that on the officials that's such a tough play when he's trying to watch uh that many things and then because we do have those monitors for replays the minute we got the msg like the first replay of it we knew immediately that it was going to count yeah so the Islanders snapped their 11-game skid yesterday. Obviously, this is, it was a much a much needed win over the Ottawa Senators. Watching them play, I, I, did you see this coming? Obviously, points in the last three leading up to it. But did you think they were taking strides in their game that, okay, against an Ottawa team that's below them in the standings, this should be a game where we get two points? Yeah, although, you know, you say that, uh, Stefan, but Ottawa was playing their best hockey. Yeah. They had won three games in a row coming in, and prior to that, I think they had three wins in the previous 19 games. So they had really struggled but found a way to turn it around. They were coming in off a regulation win, an overtime win, and a shootout win. So they were finding, you know, different ways to win. And and look, no game, there's no gimmies, there's no easy games anymore in the National Hockey League. So uh, there was just a lot to like last night, uh, you know, in that Islander victory in Ottawa. Most of all, even strength goals. That had been the thing that, you know, had really hurt the Owls and just overall goals. I think my stat in that 11 game winless streak was in 10 out of the 11 games, they'd scored two or less goals, two or less in 10 of 11. So that's why, you know, you're not winning games. And again, a lot of those games where they scored one or two was a power play goal. It was a shorthanded goal. It was a goal with uh, like Noah Dobson scored with an empty net and an extra attack run, right? So they just weren't scoring at even strength. Last night, Four goals, five on five, and J.G. Pajot, four on four. So, you know, all five goals technically at even strength. Um, great to see, you know, some guys who hadn't scored in a while or and guys who hadn't picked up points do so. So it was a really good, you know, complete team effort. But the biggest thing was, I think, getting the five goals and having all five come at even strength. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. You got to score goals to win in the NHL. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a secret. But I think, too, is you got you got secondary scoring, tertiary scoring. I mean, you had all the lines rolling. And for the Islanders' struggles early on in the season, they really struggled with that to find their identity, to get the lines rolling. So it was definitely definitely really good to see. Yeah, I mean, to see Kiefer Bellows get his first of the year, right? J.G. Pajot now goals in back-to-back. I think he only had one goal in the first 18 games this year. Um, Austin Zarnick, two assists, right? His first two points as an Islander. He played really well, had the beautiful setup on Kiefer's goal. Um, so nice to see that scoring distributed a little. And the captain, you know, he's been one of the more consistent goal scorers on the team this year. Another two-goal game for Anders, you know, coming back off the COVID layoff and everything. So, uh, yeah, real, really nice effort that way. Obviously, Sorokin did his thing. I think you could make the case that he's been the MVP of the team through the first quarter of the season. And uh, and they get the W. So now, you know, an 11-game winless streak suddenly becomes a four-game point streak because it is 1-0-3 in the last four, right? And it is about collecting points, whether they're – loser points or you know getting the two which is what they really need they needed the w in the worst way so you know that's kind of behind them and now the the lone thing to still accomplish is they've got to win that first game at ubs arena at belmont park they played there six times they've had incredible support every single game has been sold out it'll probably be that way the rest of the season but they need the w so you know they're hoping the nashville predators will be the victim tomorrow night yeah you mentioned that they need the w and it was huge right i mean i could I could sense the relief coming off Stefan's back from that one. <laughs> and I, we weren't even in the same vicinity. But uh, I was, I watched the, obviously, I've watched the Islanders when the Rangers are off. And uh, you, you can kind of sense that with the way the Rangers are playing, the Islanders fan base is even that more desperate to kind of get those wins and get back in the win column. And right now, uh, they're, they're 18 points behind the Hurricanes in the three spot. They're 12 points behind the wild card. And you've seen a lot of hockey. So by no means are they out of it, right? There's still so much of the season left. 
but do you think that they have the ability to track down those teams? Because all the, the three top teams, at least in the Metro, look like they're they're on rolls in their own right every two games. So uh, even when they lose, they get back on a hot streak. Yeah, well, before I get to that, Brendan, I'm not liking that Lady Liberty and that red, white, and blue. <laughs> I'm really not. So the Lady Liberty's throwing me off there, buddy. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Listen, um, anything to make Stefan a little more uncomfortable on the show, I'll do <laughs> And you made me more uncomfortable. <laughs> I suddenly focused in on Lady Liberty and said, wait a minute here, something's not right. Uh, no, I do think they can, and, and, and here's why. They already this season, right, have had a seven-game point streak that they went on, 5-0-2. And And under Barry Trotz, they've had a 17-game point streak at one point. And I don't think it would take that to get them back in. As you point out, you know, last night going in, I think they were 14 points back of the Red Wings for the final playoff spot. But they had five games in hand on Detroit. So it's those games in hand that you have to win. That's the biggest thing. And, And I think it was Andy Green who said it recently. And then this is the biggest key for them. And he said, look, we can't get six points tonight. We can't go out there and get six points in the standings. We can't. All you can do is get two and hope you get a little help on the teams you're chasing. So, you know, Barry Trotz even referenced the the, the St. Louis Blues recently. As you remember, when they won that cup in 2019 in January, they were dead last, not just in their division, in the entire National Hockey League. So, you know, the St. Louis Blues found a way to get in the playoffs and win the cup. And let's face it, you know, you look at these playoff runs the Islanders have had the last couple of years. They've been tremendous runs, but they barely got into the playoffs. I mean, yeah. last year they were the four seed, you know, in four teams in the division got in. They were the fourth team. The year before, you know, in the lockout year when that pandemic – or not the the lockout year, when the pandemic hit, they were actually technically point-wise not in a playoff spot. And then because they went by points percentage, they got in, you know, based on that. So they've, you know, been those that team that has kind of just snuck in at the wire – as far as qualifying for the playoffs. And then, you know, playoff hockey is what they're built for. That's the low-scoring, tight-checking style that, that they're more accustomed to and why they've had such great success. So I do think it's possible. Uh, a couple of things, though, they haven't won a game within the division. That has to change. Going into last night, they only won one game against the Eastern Conference all year. So those are the big, huge games. You know, you can't have a record of, you know, one winning, I, I believe it was, 10 games inside the conference going into last night. So they've got to find a way to win in the conference, win in the division. And for some reason they've been dominant against the West, but you're not going to play the West enough for that to matter. So they got to win those games that, that really matter. And especially the Metro games they're winless in the Metro. That's got to change. And especially yeah. they have to beat teams behind them. Like Ottawa was behind right. them. If you're not going to be the teams in front of you, you, you best be beating the teams behind you. If you want yeah, well, there's not too many behind them right now. So <laughs> you've got to put more behind them. Yeah. And you got you to gotta win those games in regulation too because the team's getting points class. in front of you. Like, uh, yeah. So it, it's, it's not going to be easy. But, I mean, we've talked about it on the show numerous times. All they have to do is sneak in. Um, and right. maybe he's mentioned the point streaks every other episode because yeah. he, he thinks that they're geared up for one. And I can't say that I disagree. You know, watching them play, they just seem like a streaky team year in and year out until the postseason, and then they get yep. uh, extremely hot. But obviously, you know, just watching how their offense has struggled at times throughout the year, the the consensus is that they need to go out and, and maybe get somebody else to bolster their offense and, you know, put on a Barzal's wing, somebody that can score and let Barzal dish to him. Do you think that they need to acquire somebody else and that they have the, the pieces to do it? Yeah, that, that's the big question. It certainly wouldn't hurt, right? Yeah. But Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz are very specific when they say, look, we don't mind winning games one to nothing. That's how they're built to win games. But yeah, when, when you go through a run like they did, as I mentioned, you know, 10 of 11 games, two goals or less, um, you know, you'd love to add that piece, but it's just not that easy to say, okay, go get me a sniper. They aren't out there. They're hard to acquire. You don't want to mortgage the future. 
to do that. And, and you look at things right now, you know, Brock Nelson, who's their leading scorer, he's the guy that's still out. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Ryan Pollock's probably their best provider, you know, of offense from the blue line. He's out still too. So you hope that when they come back and they get the whole team back together, you know, you don't worry about the goal scoring kind of like they didn't during that 5-0-2 run earlier this year when, you know, they were healthy and everybody was playing. But it was a combination of, you know, the COVID and the injuries hitting all together. And, you know, let's face it, at some points uh, during the first couple of games at UBS Arena, there were more Bridgeport Islanders on the ice than New York Islanders. So, um, you know, luckily that they've come around now. Casey Sezikis is the only one still to come off the COVID list. So if you get him back and Nelson back and Pollock back, you hope that they can produce offensively like they did before. But, yeah, Brendan, I know they would love to add a sniper. I know Lou, you know, investigated all avenues in the offseason, and, and it just didn't happen. So for now, they are what they are. Will that change at the trade deadline? Uh, that's still a long way away to see, you know, where they are in the chase at that point. Yeah, and it's tough, too, because you, you want to acquire somebody like that. But at the same time, we've seen – uh, I mean, evidence throughout the course of the early part of the season that their depth has the ability to be tested. And because of the moves that they've made, they, their depth is a little bit limited right now. So if you go and get somebody else and then have, you know, hopefully it right. doesn't like knock on wood, but say another outbreak or an injury bug, something like that, you're kind of even limiting yourself further. So it's a delicate tightrope that they have to walk on. It is. It is. And again, kudos, you know, to the Bridgeport guys, you know, they yeah. came up, they did a great job, but when you're playing, you know, at one point there were 10 guys, 10 of the 18 skaters were not available due to COVID or injury that eight on the COVID list. And they had two out injured at one point or you know, seven and three at that point. Um, but yeah, you, you, it's hard to compete, uh, you know, and against the full NHL team when you're down more than half of the 18 skaters that you dress for a game. So um, you got to be careful with that. As you say, you don't want to trade away that depth and then you get hit by an injury bug again and suddenly you don't have that depth. But every GM out there would love to add a sniper and lose no different. The Islanders have a sniper. His name's Oliver Wallstrom. And Barry yes. Trust, Barry Trust did say post game last night that he hopes that Wallstrom will be a first line winger one day. So hopefully the time comes for him because it seems like he has a great chemistry with Barzell. But let's get to a, a few fan questions. Thanks. You got, you got to ask one thing before the fan questions. No, I agree with you on Wallstrom, though, guys. Look, the way they're using him on the power play now, they are putting him in that Ovechkin spot, right? They are yes, saying, sir. Ovi, we're setting you up at the top of the left circle for a right-handed shot, and it's just bombs away, and good luck to goaltenders if they can stop it. So, I mean, he's a sniper because the puck just explodes off the blade of his stick. But how about the silky mitts in front of the net last Ooh, night? That was and nice. That puck, it's like backhand, forehand, backhand, and then he's putting it home in tight quarters, moving backwards as he does it. That was that was just a sweet goal uh, to show off his hands, but we all know how quick that thing comes off his stick blade. And if they continue to feed him in uh, his office now, I know that belongs to Ovi, but let's make that Wally's office and, and watch the goals add up. See, the one thing I wanted to ask before we get to the fan questions, right, is the NHL released the date for the Rangers Islanders <laughs> makeup is March seventeenth. So I wanted to know first: Are you going to be calling it from MSG? And if you are, that that atmosphere i'm sure it's going to be very quaint you know a very calm crowd on march 17th what do you what do you think that game is going to be like i am going to brendan deck myself out of green <laughs> from head to toe on st patrick's day for rangers islanders but no you're right i mean i will be there yeah we're doing all the road games this year with a couple of exceptions uh so i will be there but yeah a madison square garden crowd on st patrick's day i think they might pregame a little bit uh <laughs> So, Just, yeah, that uh, that has, uh, you know, earmarks all over it of a terrific game. And kudos to uh, Islander statistician Eric Hornick, who uh, looked it up to find out they have played three times in the past on St. Patrick's Day. So uh, I do remember quite the uh, exciting environment in the building, which doesn't need any extra help, let's face it. 
Uh, but boy, that night uh, now becomes, uh, you know, something that you circle on your calendar if you're Irish or, or if you're not. So uh, it's going to be quite uh, always great when the Rangers and Isles get together. But to put it on St. Patty's Day, oh, my goodness, what a night that's going to be. Yeah, you that... might have to leave at 11 a.m. to get to that game. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the aftermath might be the same aftermath we saw in uh, game six in the score. You know, the beer cans. Yeah, well, down. I hope not because that, yeah, that wasn't pretty. That wasn't the way you wanted to close the building. Bo's goal was, but, you know, what followed yeah. uh, really shouldn't have happened. So. So uh, we'll see. It, it'll be great, though. You know, I, I can't wait already. I really can't. So. All right. So the first fan question. So what kind of prep work is done for radio calls? Does it differ from video broadcasts? And do the radio guys have any friendly competitions with the video guys? That's from at unflinching. <laughs> great question. Um, tremendous amount of preparation goes on beforehand, guys. That That's like I you've listened to the broadcast, right? I prep so much because I just don't want to get caught off guard and have something happen that I'm not ready for. So I do a tremendous amount of prep. Usually, I obviously know the Islander side of things cold. I don't worry about that. But it's just prepping on the opponent's side of, you know, digging into all the history of all their players, um, you know, watching as many of their previous games as I can and just trying to be fully prepared. So to me, preparation is the biggest key for any broadcaster. And everyone will tell you that. And uh, no, there is no rivalry whatsoever. Brendan Burke and I get along great. He is unbelievable at what he does. He's, uh, you know, to me, one of the best young television play-by-play guys, not even young, just TV play-by-play guys in the entire National Hockey League already. And he's just a couple of years in. So, you know, we swap notes all the time. I send him some notes. He'll send me stuff too. So no, it, it, there's no rivalry there whatsoever. Brendan is unbelievable at what he does. And uh, again, the only chance I've really had to, you know, see him do an Islander game was when I was under the COVID protocol list uh, last season for six games. And it was, you know, I'd seen him in bits and pieces. I've seen his work on national games, which is incredible. Uh, but to, you know, sit back for six straight games games, and, and be able to see him and Butch and what they did in those games. Wow. I just was even more impressed with with how great he is and how lucky Islander fans are to have him. <laughs> And, and you know, to piggyback off that and staying with the radio and call uh, theme, how is your voice after calling a big game? That was asked by Robert underscore Cuprian. So uh, you you are known for your passion. Like Stefan said, you, you got the uh, energetic vibe to you. So I'm sure you got to be drinking your, your tea after games. Yeah, good, good question, Robert. I do try to hydrate, right? That's the biggest thing. I usually have a, a big bottle of water next to me and another drink, too, just uh, in case I want to mix that up, uh, you know, some type of uh, soda or something like that, just, just to mix them up during the game. But I just try to rest it as much as I can on the off days. The back-to-back games are the only times I really kind of feel it. I'll feel it on that second night a little bit that it doesn't have the strength. But luckily, it's been pretty good. You know, if you get the sore throats occasionally, as you said, you go with the tea, you go with the honey, you get the lozenges going. Um, But, you know, the only difficult part about that is not so much the soreness. It just seems to when I get either a sore throat or a head cold, I don't have the power and the strength that I like to have. And as you guys said, I'm kind of known for those energetic (laughs) calls. So, uh, you know, I don't like when I can't bring kind of that full power, but I've been blessed that it stays with me most of the time. And those times when it hasn't been at full strength have been very limited in my career. So I try to take good care of it. The best thing, honestly, is I try to rest it as much on the off days as absolutely possible. And again, back to backs, I do notice that second night come the third period of the second night, uh, I can feel a little bit, but usually then you're getting a full 24, 48 hours off after it. And I know if I rest it a little bit, I'll be good to go the next game. Yeah, when I'm in the car listening, you have me on the edge of my steering wheel. I'm about to give a standing ovation. I can't even see what's happening. I'm about to crash. Anyway, Thank it's all you. good. Thank you so much. <laughs> I get that from a lot of fans. And I, and even though they say, you know, sometimes you got so excited, I thought I was going to crash my car. I take that as a compliment. I do. I just, <laughs> I stay under control. Keep that wheel straight and, and listen on. Thank you for listening. <laughs> 
And it was only an icing too. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know about icing. Empty netters, I've heard that a lot from fans. I do tend to get maybe a little overexcited on an empty net goal, but when it clinches a win, uh, that kind of to me is like the final nail in the coffin and you know you can uh, put it in the W column. Yes. Next one. Who was the biggest influence in getting you into broadcasting? And if you weren't doing broadcasting, what would you be doing? That was at Slapshot86. Oh, Slapshot86. My biggest influence by far when I was young growing up was Marv Albert. Marv Albert was the king of broadcasters in New York when I was growing up. And it's hard to explain to, to someone young how dominant he was and how good he was. But I'll just try to give you an example. This is what Marv Albert did on a nightly basis, pretty much every weeknight, Monday through Friday. He would be on the Channel 4 WNBC Sportscast at 6.20, let's say, was about when the sports kicks in. He would do the, you know, the four-minute sportscast. He would immediately race off to Madison Square Garden, call the Ranger game and or the Nick game that night. Now, you got to remember, he was the radio voice of both the Knicks and the Rangers at the time. When that game finished, right back to WNBC to do the 11 o'clock sports. And he would do that every single night. So I would see Marv at 6 o'clock, giving me all the highlights. I would listen to him for the Ranger and Nick game just because he was so great. I love listening to him. And then I'd see him again at 11 o'clock. And he did that Monday through Friday almost every night of the week. So, you know, Marv Albert was the guy for me growing up. That was my guy. And then, you know, I was very lucky uh, to grow up listening to Barry Landers, who was the radio voice for the Islanders for 17 years. And on television, Jiggs McDonald, who, you know, is such a good friend of mine, as is Barry. Um, but I could not have learned from two better guys. There's no more passionate Islander broadcaster than Barry Landers was. And Jiggs McDonald's in the Hall of Fame. And every time Jiggs comes back, I hear his voice. And every great memory of every Islander moment that I worshipped growing up comes immediately back to me. All he has to do is say, hi, Chris, as he did recently at UBS Arena when he emceed opening night. And all those memories come rushing back because his voice is just iconic as far as Islander, you know, history is concerned, because he called all the great moments during those cup runs. So, uh, you know, those are the guys I would put up there, you know, Marv when I was young and Barry and Jiggs as I got older and, you know, just followed the Islanders coming up. And if you weren't doing broadcasting, what would you be doing? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Uh, I actually had a different life before I was a broadcaster, believe it or not. I, when I went to college, I got my, uh, my bachelor's in communications at SUNY Geneseo for broadcasting. And then I went on for my master's degree in computer science at SUNY Binghamton. So when I actually came out of college, I was a software engineer, believe it or not, for many, many years and then just missed radio badly. So I kind of started working my way back into radio part time until we kind of reached that fork in the road where I had to decide, all right, am I going to continue doing my software engineering career or am I going to you know, go to uh, broadcasting full time? And I switched at that point and left the software engineering behind. So um, that was a previous career. I always have interested in music too, though. So like music's a big thing for me. I love live music. I love concerts. So um, I've always like intrigued. This is kind of a strange one, but like, I, I think I would enjoy like working in a box office of maybe like UBS arena. I'd be the ticket manager. And I just <laughs> always been fascinated with like building layouts and tickets and live events and especially concerts. So maybe, you know, somewhere down the road, uh, I, I would be some sort of, uh, you know, box office manager at UBS Arena. Maybe I have that in my future when I retire from broadcasting. That's I'm awesome. Sure, I'm sure they'll save a spot for you. I hope so. I, I, just, <laughs> I, get some, I don't know. You know, I get those seating charts and you try to figure that out. I just I love that stuff. I'm fascinated by like every aspect of that. You mentioned Marv Albert. Marv Albert's great. And I don't know why, but I never connected the dots that Kenny Albert was his son <laughs> until like it had to be two years ago. I was, I was mind blown <laughs> because both of them are so talented. Um, but well, that's yeah, a so thing, and Kenny again, I know Kenny so well. I got to meet Marv a few times, but as you say, Kenny 
is unbelievable. I mean, here's a guy who does all four major sports, yep. right? Baseball, basketball, football, and hockey, sometimes in the same week, believe it or not, when the schedules cross. And you wouldn't know what's his strongest sport, uh, sport and what's his weakest sport because he doesn't have a weakness. He is incredible. And again, preparation for him is through the roof. I read recently he said he he prepares like 40 to 50 hours a week for that football game, 40 to 50 hours of prep for a three-hour football game, right? But Kenny is the best in the business at just being versatile. And it's not just the four major sports. Obviously, he's done the Olympics. I've seen him doing boxing. Uh, he'll, he'll do anything and do it well. But again, that preparation, that thing we go back to, he just prepares so well that you couldn't tell, like, is this his strong suit? Is this his weakest yep. sport? You don't know because he's just so good at all of them. Yeah, he, he really is. And, you know, I grew up, he was the Rangers radio voice. Like, you had talked yep. about Mar for a while. And, you know, that was something that I just remember. I would listen to some games on the radio because of how talented uh, Kenny Albert was, too. But the next question, thank you, Stefan, for leaving this one for me since this, uh, you know, Twitter handle. Is he going to be a Ranger a, question? No, no. It, it's just the Twitter <laughs> handle is so long. I don't know how I'm going to pronounce this. Uh, but the, the next one is, what advice do you have for aspiring sportscasters, whether it's following in your footsteps uh, with radio or if they're more interested in television and it's from i'm gonna try my best here at c benti venga underscore hh well c benti venga underscore <laughs> no it, it's a, it's a great question i get it a lot and the biggest thing for me guys is like to young broadcasters just get the experience get any type of experience you can doing games and these days it's so easy because right everybody's phone is a recorder now, right? You can push record and, and sit there and practice your broadcast. You can do it in front of your television. That's how I started with my little tape recorder. Turn the sound down on the television, broadcast your own game. I did it in the basement of my parents' house. That's how I got started. And I know a lot of youngsters, like my son, will turn the sound down on his video game. You've got a video game. Turn the sound down on that, call the game. Or even better, just get out live. You can go to any high school game. You can go to any youth game. Just find a spot up in the stands where no one's going to be around you. You know, print out your little charts of the rosters of the two teams if you have it. If you don't, you know, don't even worry about it. Just call the numbers that you see on the ice. You don't have to have the names. You can just call the numbers. But get that repetition. Find a way to do a call, then go home and listen to it and see how it sounds. Do you like what you're hearing? Do you need to change it? How can it be better? How can you modify it? So every broadcaster, myself included, you know, critiques our own games. I go back and listen to them all the time to see – you know, what can I do better? How can I change it? And again, I listen to everybody out there, TV and radio, just to see what they're doing. And everybody steals from everybody else. There's no doubt about that. So every night that I'm listening to, you know, one of the great broadcasters around the NHL that do radio and TV, I'm trying to pick up little things that, hey, maybe I can use that to make my broadcast better. And for youngsters, uh, you know, just take that opportunity to go to your high school gym, sit up in the corner. You want to call a basketball game? You've got your phone with you. You know, you print out two pages of rosters, sometimes even hand those out when you enter the gym, right? Call the game, call the names if you have them, call the numbers if you don't, and just have fun, you know, have fun. And, and that's, you know, it's uh, it's so, so easy to get started these days, and especially with webcasts like you guys have and podcasts that are out there. Uh, there are so many ways to practice your play-by-play -play ability. So just get out there and do it. It doesn't matter if nobody else is listening. Reps are the key, you know, getting repetitions in, whether the world is listening or whether just you're listening, uh, you got to do the same broadcast. And, you know, we pride ourselves on doing the same call, whether one person's listening or a million people are listening, right? So it's the same thing if you're just trying to call games and get the practice, go to your basement right now, go to your family room, put that TV on, find a game, you know, turn your PlayStation on, call the game. That That's that's the best way you can, can get to do it and, and to improve as well. Well, Chris, 
Okay, Good go old on, David, uh, David Quinn cliche there with it's the copycat league. I used to say yeah, that after right. every post. Absolutely. <laughs> Nobody's reinventing anything right now. It's all been done before. You just got to find the best of, you know, what works and, and get rid of the, the worst and take the best. Absolutely. And, and Barry Trotz told us that recently too. All coaches steal from everybody else. He talked about, you know, working with John Cooper as they're getting ready for the Olympics in Team Canada. But he said, look, I'm picking Coop's brain. He's picking mine. And, you know, we're not holding anything back. We're sharing everything. And, and broadcasters do the same thing. So, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Guys, you can catch Chris King along with Greg Picker on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. Chris, thanks so much. And hopefully we'll have you on again soon. All right. Thanks, Stefan. Thanks, Brendan. Always great chatting with you. Thank you. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Good work. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.